Hello, my friends. Today, Joel is talking to Benny, the CTO at Spin, and they discuss how Spin has utilized TopTool to hire engineers during periods of massive growth, the advanced custom scooter that Spin has been developing, and their plans to transition from a scooter sharing company to an end-to-end -end mobility company. All of this right here, right now, on the Modern CTO Podcast. Here we go. This is the Modern CTO Podcast. Tell me about how you got into technology. What got you started? So I grew up in Malaysia. Technology adoption is a little bit slower there, right? And the first thing, you know, how technology gets to Malaysia is usually through like entertainment and whatnot. So I was introduced to computers through games. My Actually, for me, like um, I was first introduced to Commodore um, 64, which was early even for, you know, my time, just games on it and whatnot. Right. And then my mom was always like, a, you know, just chasing technology all the time. So we got a computer at a very young age, you know, with, with modem and, and, you know, so for me, it's, it's games, basically just played a lot of games. I have an elder brother, she's, he's uh, five years older. Right. And he was actually into the programming part of things. Not me though. Right. With, first started with like MS-DOS, um, but I was always just, you know, playing games and whatnot. So I came to America, um, to Purdue University for, for my college, right? And, you know, I've, I think I've always been really an engineer at heart. Like I would always fix things like furniture as well. You know, I would build furniture and whatnot, even I was a, when I was a young kid. And that's how I got into my major, really. Like I, all I knew was just playing games at that point in time. Right. Um, so I picked computer engineering and did four years of that and, you know, love programming and whatnot. Um, I did a direct PhD actually, but I, after two years, I decided to give that up and then go into the industry. So my first job was um, at Motorola doing very, very different things than what I'm doing right now. Um, I worked on the first Droid phone and I was actually, I started as a firmware engineer, like for displays for a year. And then I, I got into operating systems because then I was working with Google on um, the whole Android ecosystems, right? So I got into oper oper operating systems for another year or two. And then I found a gig out here in San Francisco um, with an incubator sort of with um, Samsung where, you know, you, you sort of have an idea, you pitch it to them and you build it out for six months and then, you know, they'll fund you if they like it and whatnot. So I did that for for another, you know, three more so years. Um, then I went to Fitbit, you know, it was the second um, Android engineer over there. Did a couple of years over there. Um, prior to this, I was at Envoy. I don't know if you've heard of Envoy. The, um, the, it's like a, it's an office OS right now, but when they first started, it was like a sign-in on the iPad app. When you go to an office or you don't really need um, the receptionist anymore, you can just sign in and, you know, notify the person in your meeting and then you could do all the NDAs. And that's and where that I've seen it before. It. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, founder is Larry Gadia, who was like an early Twitter employee and whatnot. So I did that for a year and then that's how, um, and then I left Envoy. I was heading up mobile and, and, and Envoy and then I left Envoy to join Spin in the early stages, basically. Um, two of the founders were my friends from college. We met at, at Purdue a long time ago, right? So when they came to me with the idea before they started, I was really excited about it, um, but I couldn't leave immediately. So um, I had to stay on Envoy just to finish up what I was doing. And then I joined them, you know, shortly after. 
so I'm, you know, I've been there since and it's been like almost four years. <laughs> are the founders still involved in the business? Yeah, 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 yeah. Tell me about them. What are they like? It's nice people. I mean, we all came from similar backgrounds. They, uh, they grew up in, in Singapore and yeah, somehow we all met in uh, Purdue. Um, so our background is background culture, you know, upbringing is all very similar. Um, just really nice guys, really. Um, that's part of um, why, you know, I've, I've been at Spin for, for, for so long as well. It's just because, you know, that's just what we, what we treasure, doing the right thing. Yeah. And just treating people the right way. Yeah. Yeah. Culture is everything. So tell me a little bit about what Spin does. So Spin spin is, uh, where, where are you at, actually? Where are you located? I am, right now, I'm in Florida. Ah. Bradenton, Tampa area. Yeah. Yeah, so we're we're a scooter, you know, we're a micro mobility company. We started off renting out like dockless scooters. We were actually the first ones to bring it to America, and then we added, you know, electric scooters, um, just renting scooters to commuters and, and and whatnot, right? So that's what we do as a whole. I guess you could call us a scooter company for now, but you know, we have bikes and whatnot. So really, a micro mobility. We're in Tampa too. I, I don't know if you are you close to Tampa. Yeah. So everybody, you know, like when you live in a smaller city, you just say the the nearest big city, everybody knows, everybody knows Tampa. Uh, I'm, I think we're about like, I don't know, 30, 35 minutes away from Tampa. Like my parents live there, you know, I see I'm there all the time. So I see. Have you seen one of those scooters around town? The orange ones? Oh yeah, of course. How can you not? They're like bright orange. <laughs> have, have you tried riding them before? I have not ridden yours, but I have when I was over in because I have my car with me. All right, because I'm local here and I live in like the suburbs, you know, so uh, I'm not spending a lot of time in the city. Uh, I'll just drive through it. But when I was over in Sweden, mm -hmm. I was there for a couple of weeks and, oh. you know, this, they're very useful over there. Like, yep. because uh, first of all, there's not a lot of cars aren't as there's not a, I don't know, the towns are just designed differently and they're actually very good for the scooters. And, and here's something I wanted to get into. And like, I, I'm curious to know, cause you're in this industry and you eat, sleep and breathe this stuff. Okay. So my biggest frustration is there's like 20 different brands of these. And every time I want to go jump on one, I have to download a different app. Like who's going to solve that problem? Yeah. So we actually have this thing called, I, I don't know if you've kept, do you use an iPhone? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So app clips is, is like a, you know, something that, that iOS 14 released not too long ago. Right. Basically the, the whole idea of that is that, you know, you don't have to download like the full app to actually, you know, use a service. So we're actually, you know, we were featured during WWDC, right. Working with Apple on this. So I think, you know, these, these kind of things where like we will have a sort of, the NFC tag, right, on on the um, on the scooter, and all you gotta do is just really just open your your camera and scan it, right, and you can just finish the whole flow without having to download like um, all, all, like the, the whole entire app. So I think yeah, I think and and I think that's one of the pain points, right? Um, and this is why like for certain places, I want to say first mover um, advantage is is real, right? Because like you said, right, if you have two different apps already on, on, on your, on your phone. And now you look at a new scooter and you have to like download it. You have to like put in your email, create a password and put in all your like payment information and all that stuff. Right. It's, it's a hassle. Right. Um, so that's, that's how we're, you know, sort of trying to solve that problem. Right. With something like, like, like app clips and, and, and in the future, right. Um, you could also imagine in a world where 
you know, you could just do like an NFC tag sort of, right? With like a payment card of some sort, right? So you could skip all the process. But it's hard because the scooter business is, is highly regulated, right? For obvious reasons, I think because the world sort of have seen what happened in, in you know, some of the Asian countries in, in the beginning when there was dockless bicycles. I don't know if you remember seeing like just mountains of bicycles stacked up, you know, because of the whole dockless craze, right? <clears throat> so then cities started adopting, you know, more regulation, like, you know, things like making sure there is a cap per city and not just like free for all, right? That's one, right? Making sure there are parking regulations and things like that. So for certain places, right, they would require the, you know, some sort of user education and whatnot um, before they start writing it. So it's sort of a little bit un- in- inevitable, right, for now, since scooters like a really new thing that users have to go through the whole education flow and, you know, sign some waivers and whatnot. So, but we're getting there, I think. I think as as cities are more comfortable with micromobility, which I think, I mean, after you've been to Sweden, right, I don't think, you know, it's, it's such, it has such a, product market fit that I think, you know, it's, it's going to be hard to imagine a world without micromobility, to, to be honest with you, right? And we didn't even really have to do much, right, um, to discover this. We just really just, you know, bought some scooters on, on Amazon, we put it out and tested it out and people just immediately love it. You know, it was one of those things that it just made sense for, for cities and whatnot. And places like, like Europe too, yeah. Has anyone made an autonomous scooter yet? <laughs> There have, I mean, we, we, we are involved in a couple of things looking into that, right? That, that would make a lot of sense. You know, I, I don't think cities are ready for autonomous scooters yet, but I think the technology is ready for scooter technology. I'm sorry, scoot, uh, autonomous um, scooters. Just because, just because like, you know, it's not like a car where this thing is going at, you know, 30 miles or 50 miles an hour in the city, right? Like this thing really only needs to get, you know, like do five miles an hour or whatnot, right? So, so at that speed, you don't really need the sort of real, like real time, real, like the latency could be pretty <clears throat> forgiving, right? For it to be safe. So I, I want to say that autonomous, I think we're, we're sort of trying to get cities okay with that idea. And now that you brought it up, actually, we're, we're working with a couple of cities to launch what we call Spin Valet. Um, which is a three-wheel scooter, right? And it's tele-operated. Um, you can imagine use cases like, hey, you can, you can actually reserve a scooter and we'll drive it to you. The main use case that we're trying to solve really is, because right now, when, when a scooter is parked in an alley, just five meters away from like the busiest street on, on, in town, that scooter might not get rented at all throughout the day, right? And for us to like send someone out to move that scooter onto the main street, you can imagine that it's just super expensive and inefficient, right? So the spin valet thing is basically, and the, you know, give, gives us the ability to teleoperate the scooter, right? Move the scooter, you know, just two meters to the left, right? So that it can be discovered by 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 users. So that's our first use case that we're trying to test right now. Um, and certain cities are are getting you know comfortable with like, hey, yeah, you can you know, why not tele teleoperate this thing's safe and whatnot, right? So then the, the future of that, as you can imagine, is really just doing it autonomously. Yeah. That's exciting. That's, that's exciting. I want to, I want to like Uber style, like I want to press the button and the scooter just shows up right to my hotel room. You know, I want it to ride the elevator and come down the hall. I want it to have like <laughs> last inch delivery. They can actually move inside the hotel. I know I'm a, I'm a demanding consumer, my friend. <laughs> 
I no, I, I I get you. I'm I'm the same way too. It only makes sense, right? Like you either just put, you know, just flood the whole city with, you know, so many scooters that you can't miss it, right? Which is which isn't great for the cities, right? For any city actually, right? But then, you know, people are used to on-demand everything right now, right? Especially after COVID, right? They expect everything to just show up at a doorstep. Some, some even maybe in their, <laughs> in their house, right? So yeah, so that's definitely the next progression of things. And obviously, it's hard to do it with a two-wheeled scooter, right? You can't really, it can't balance itself. So that's why we're, you know, three-wheeled scooter makes a lot of sense. It also makes a lot of sense in terms of like, you know, getting certain users, right, uh, that aren't comfortable riding scooters. Right to try something like you know like a three wheel scooter just because you could just stand on it and it'll be fine. Yeah, for grandma and grandpa, you got the three wheel scooter. Mm-hmm. They already, I mean, yeah, you could get into the uh, the scooter business like as in transportation of the elderly. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> well, that's that's one part of it that we're we're focusing on. Yeah, but hopefully not not just the elderly. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, it's fun. It's fun. But you've you've ridden on these things before, right? I oh, mean, for sure, a bunch. The, you see, the thing is this, right? Like for me, I mean, I'm, I'm I, I used to live in uh, downtown San Francisco, right? To get a mile away, right, um, or a mile and a half away, you can't, you know, to walk is like a, you know half an hour. I'm 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 really slow at walking, so it takes like half an hour or at least, right, to get to a mile away. And taking an Uber, you know, the cheapest option, Uber Pool and whatnot, it's like you got to wait 10 minutes for it to get here. And then we'll probably use probably spend another 15 minutes getting to that place. Right. But, and, and it'll, it'll cost more than just riding a scooter. Right. So it makes a lot of sense for, for urban areas really. And the most important thing about it is that it's, it's fun. You know, it's something about just riding an electric scooter out in the open air and like just wind just blowing through your hair. Yeah. It's just, uh, it's just very freeing and it just feels fun. Right. On top of all, all, all like all the practical parts of it too. So, yeah, it's kind of like flying, right? <laughs> you get the you get the rush, the wind. It's fun. <laughs> yeah. Have you have you do you, do you ride a motorcycle by any chance, or have you ever tried riding a motorcycle? Uh, so growing up, I rode dirt bikes like regularly after school, uh, like motocross type stuff. Yeah, it's 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 that kind of feeling actually. Like I, I would compare it similarly to that kind of you know why people choose to you know, write motorcycles as, 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 uh, as a hobby, really. Yeah. It's not for the safety. It's because it's fun. <laughs> it's <laughs> yeah. fun. I live in a retirement town. I think like it, I really do. And, uh, like I always, I've, you know, my cousins have gotten their motorcycles and such. And my uh, brother-in-law actually owns the like large local bike shop, like motorcycle shop. And so mm-hmm. they're, you know, that's their whole life. Uh, and I've thought about it a couple times, but man, I just see these elderly people who shouldn't have licenses so often. I'm just like, nah, I'll I'll stick with my my truck. <laughs> yeah, I rode a motorcycle for two years, and yeah, it was this decided that it was way too scary and and random, right? That uh, yeah, I haven't ridden motorcycles you know since like seven years ago, so <laughs> yeah, too scary, yeah especially in the freeways in, in, in America too, where everyone's like going at 70, 70, 80 miles an hour, you know? Yeah. Welcome to America, man. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm yeah. curious. Uh, so I got to talk with, um, I think, I think I say his name like Ismail at TopTel. Uh, I always like butcher names. I apologize, but he was a super bright guy. 
right? And he mentioned that you guys had done some work together. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, so the whole micromobility craze really happened. It was hyper growth for you know the past few years, right? Um, the adoption was just insane. Like I remember our first year, first year with like you know at the end of the year it was like maybe twenty people on the team, right? We we had launched like thirty to forty cities in America. That that means like you know you know more than like one every two weeks. I don't actually don't remember how we did that. Right? We just we just flying all over the place and just launching scooters and whatnot, right? And that's that's because the demand was just there. Like people were just you know hungry for it and it's pure market you know product market fit. People loved it, right? So as, as such, there's a lot you know there's going to be a lot of competition because of that, right? Like Lime and Bird were there, right? So the needed to scale up like everything was just, you know, super high. And, and as you know, as, as a CTO yourself, um, engineers and hiring for engineers is like one of the toughest things, right? Um, and, and it takes time because you want to make sure that you hire the right people, especially in the beginning, right? So that's how we got connected to TopTel, just because like there's way too many things that I needed to do, right? And at that point in time, it was just me and another engineer. It was just two of us in the company, right? For the longest time. Um, so we needed to hire contractors. I think, you know, that, that was the quickest way for us to sort of get people to, to work on the features that we needed to, right? That's how TopTel came in. Um, TopTel didn't actually reach out to me. Like I, I just knew of TopTel, this was in like 2017 and, and before, right? Where TopTel was just known to be one of the most reputable platform, right? For, for software contractors, right? The way I got introduced to it was my friend was was a contractor on Dan was telling me that he was making good money on it and yada right, um, and I knew of him as as being like a really good engineer right. So, so when I had that that resource crunch right, I just contacted TopTel, and that's how it all started right. But it evolved way beyond that too because, so with 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 contractors you know we still do an interview and whatnot right. But I feel like. A lot of times you just have very specific tasks for people to do, right? So it's it's really performance, you know, based, right? You know, we don't have to go through the whole whole slew of, of interviews to make sure that we're actually hiring the right person and whatnot, right? So it, it gives us that that insurance that, you know, we don't have to like fully, fully commit. You know, they, they even have like a, a policy, a return policy to like if we don't like the, you know, the, the the contractor, then they would refund like the first week of work or whatever, right? So it just made it very easy for us to try something like that, right? So yeah, so that's that's how we start with with with, pot, with uh, top tell and and they really helped us. Even now, we're still working with them. We've been working with them for four years now, you know, because <clears throat> there's always you know there's always need for you know certain projects and and spikes of of, of features and whatnot, right? So so that's how we use top tell. But more than that, right now we 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 actually hired a couple of. Uh, more than a couple of few, a few people from Hotel basically converted the contractors to full-time employees. Yeah, they have an option for that, don't they? At least when I was using them, there was some sort of like option you could do to actually like hire them out of Toptal. Yeah, and and it's it's really like that's honestly my preferred way to hire in general. At at a startup, right? Like if 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 I had it my way, you know, it would be amazing if if we could just instead of like a you know, four or five hour interview where I asked like, you know, coding questions and, 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 and just, you know, theories and whatnot, right? I would rather have someone come in, you know, and, and really jam on a problem we have at work. Um, start off with contracts so it's not 
you know, it's not really a commitment from, from both parts, right? Just to feel each other and see how, you know, we work together and whatnot, right? And then a month later, um, we could decide whether we want to go through with it or not, right? I think, I think it's, a, it's, it's, it's a really good way of, of hiring, I think. And I hope, I hope the future will move towards something like that, right? So, I mean, because not, not all, everyone interviews very well as well, right? So to really perform in a span of four hours, like it's, it's sort of unfair in a way. I fully agree. I, I especially notice you know, certain, not all developers are the same. Uh, I noticed when I was hiring people that are like really brilliant at algorithms, my, their social skills were less than people who were like full stack developers. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, I agree. Yeah, just I, the truth. Know, I... Like, I'm sorry. And, and I, I don't think that they're, I, I think it's, um, and I've thought about this a lot, actually, Benny, uh, it's how much time we spend in our head. Because for example, I, when I first started this show, um, uh, I was still writing code every day, right? But I noticed that if I was writing code and in the morning and then doing the show in the afternoon, I was like less socially, you know, quick on my feet, right? But so then I created this rule where like, I don't code the days that I have to do shows or I do the show and then I do some coding. And I noticed that like interacting with my team too, like uh, if I'm starting off my morning with solving like really, really difficult engineering problems and being deep in code and being inside of my own head, uh, then it's harder for me to communicate outside of my own head. I like set the tone for the day. So I'll, I'll have like different days where I focus on different things. Um, but I have no doubt in my mind that people who are building algorithms, I mean, they're doing incredible, the, the, the mental models that are building inside of their ram like their their brain ram uh for lack of a better term are so complex uh so they're spending a lot of time inside of their own head and then that's just less less experience they're having with uh social interactions yeah and and and, and you know the, these positions and and these experts are required too right um and that's why there's just different roles right even for engineers there's just different roles in engineering right um but i agree i mean like um Honestly, every now that you mentioned it, I, I've, I've actually never thought about this before. But now that I, now that you bring it up, every time I code, I'm just not talking to anyone at all. Actually. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, I'm just, just so drained. You know, especially when, when you're staring at a, a problem for a while. You know. Yeah, that's that's a that's a good observation. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about you guys uh, getting acquired by Ford. Did you get to meet Ken Washington? Ken Washington. No, we didn't. We didn't meet. I, I didn't meet Ken. Ken Washington. The acquisition was was a great thing. Um, I think. I mean, even back then, we were we were considering other options, right? Um, and acquisition being one, or you know, obviously raising more money and whatnot. But you know, at that point in time, we felt that consolidation is going to happen, as you've seen with like, you know, investments from Uber and and and, and Lime, and you know. Um, and other companies as well, right? So we, we knew that consolidation would need to happen because it's just, you know, this business is growing so fast, right? And and there's so many players that it's just, it's going to be a matter of time where, where you know, people just, like companies would just start falling, you know, left and right, right? So so we took the acquisition because it was it was a strategic one, right? Especially with Ford, um, a car manufacturing company that is, you know, getting into, autonomous vehicle and you know and 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 ride sharing in the future as well right so it just made a lot of sense to us to really be 
you know, the first part of, of, of mobility, which, you know, we think is the most important part of micromobility, right? And that synergy with someone like Ford just made a lot of sense to us. So that was good. I, Ford was very, very supportive for everything, you know, that we wanted to do with a company. And, and we've been operating, you know, independently um, since the beginning. So a, lo- a lot of trust from them, a lot of um, synergies and, and um, just help from them throughout this process as well. It's been what two, two plus, two plus years, almost three. Yeah, yeah. I got to interview Ken when the whole COVID thing happened, and they decided to, uh, you know, they were manufacturing the medical devices, uh, you know, for the government. And so I got to talk to him during that whole thing. And right before I was walking out the door, like I wasn't thinking about it, I was wearing a shirt that said Jeep on it. <laughs> And my wife is like, uh, you're going to interview the, the Ford guy today, right? And I was like, yeah. She's like, you got to change your shirt, honey. And I was like, what? Because I had it for so, I had that shirt for so long. It was like one of my favorite shirts. I just liked the design of it. And so I wasn't even thinking, thinking about it twice. And I was like, thank you so much. Thank you for helping me out with that one. <laughs> you should check out his episode though. And then send him, a, send him a message. Man, that guy is, a, he is such a nice guy. He's super intelligent, great leader. I've really enjoyed talking with him. Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's the thing about Ford, right? So I I actually moved from Chicago um, a little more than ten years ago, right? And Ford, you know, being a Midwest company, there's just a lot of amazing people in the Midwest. I think, right? Just very down to earth, very nice people, in in the Midwest. And and Ford really just lives through that. You know, during the acquisition, we would be meeting with you know the highest ranks of of Ford, right? Um, Bill Ford even, and they were all just just really nice people. I I've I don't think I've ever met executives in a company that are all, all just so warm and nice. And that's one of the reasons why we went with them as well, because like that, that whole culture, right, just really matched with what our company was like. And that's what we believe in, right? Just being nice people in general. But yeah, it was surprising for sure, right? Because I'm, I'm meeting these people that are running like bill, you know, a billion dollar company, right? And, and during dinner, we would just talk about just random things, you know, like talk about football and, and whatnot, right? So it was it was surprising to me, actually. I was I was expecting, you know, sort of a different type of relationship, but they they really made us feel like we we're part of their family. So that was amazing. Yeah. Sometimes we focus as as a people, like as a as a group of humans, we'll focus on the exception and like amplify it. Right. So like if if there's like a, a businessman or businesswoman or somebody who's doing something nefarious, right? Or wrong, and they have a lot of money and power and that gets amplified, then all that negativity gets associated with money and power when in reality, it's just like who that person was inside, right? And then we're all a little bit gun shy to anybody that's like has money and powerful because of that amplification of the exception when in reality, because that's how I grew up. I mean, I grew up, you know, fairly without money, right? And, uh, so I had this thing where I was like, I thought, you know, I saw in some movies, I was like, rich people are like bad people. And then everything was to the contrary as I grew professionally. I'm like, these are the nicest, sweetest people. And then I came to this conclusion that like the only way to get money in life that's legal, the only legal way to get money in life is by being useful to other people. So the people that have the most money are like often, right? Because there's always exceptions to everything, but they're often the people who are most useful to other people. So now when I see like a Lamborghini going down the road, I'm like, I wonder what that, like, what value did that person bring to the world? You know, what did they invent or what are they, what do they understand that I don't yet understand about how to be useful to other people? 
Yeah, that's that's a really good way of, of, of looking at it. And you're right. I think the stigma of, of, you know, it's understandable, I guess, right? The stigma of, of rich people just all being, you know, a certain way and whatnot. But you're right. I think, you know, when you really think about it, it's, it's and dig into like, hey, you know, what's a more productive way of looking at this is, is really, hey, what can you learn from this person? You know, there must be a reason. Not, not, I mean, honestly, like all human beings are just born, you know, to have good intentions. I, I, I completely believe that, right? So I think learning, you know, instead of, you know, judging someone for, you know, the wealth and whatnot really like, you know, digging in and trying to figure out like why certain, you know, certain people are, you know, the way, the way they are, I think, you know, it'd be a lot more fruitful, right. Um, experience for, for yourself and for the other person as well. Do you have kids? I have kids. Yeah. I uh, have a daughter a year um, and four months now. Yeah. Nice. Nice dude. You? Yeah. Yeah. I have a daughter. She's uh, almost four and then yeah. I have a son who is just a little bit over two. It is crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah <laughs> Two is, is like nuts. four. Two is not like, it's not like one plus one because you only have the one, right? Yeah. Yep, yeah. For now. So, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So when, I, when we had the second one, it's like having three. I mean, it's, it's pretty hard, but um, it's really, really cool to see the difference and what it's like to have a son versus what it's like to have a daughter. Um, and personally, I would like, a, if I had a third kid, I would want it to be a daughter. <laughs> Because the girls are a lot easier than the boys. <laughs> yeah, so I, I told my wife um, that if we get to pick, right, and if we have to pick two kids, um, I would rather have two girls than two boys. Obviously, the perfect match would be a girl and a boy, right? But I've always been a fan of, you know, just having girls and boys just because of, of my personal biases around me right like I I know like my guy friends are they talk to their parents you know maybe once a week right or maybe even once a month or sometimes even once you know a year right versus like my female friends around me you know they're you know always calling their parents and you know talking about just all sort of different things and even myself you know like I you know I talk to my parents on text a lot right but we probably call each other like maybe once every month and I was thinking for myself like when I'm old I would love for my kids to, you know, call me every day, actually. Why not? <laughs> you know? Yeah. That's what my, my wife, she talks to her dad, like text him, like, I think almost every morning. Right. And then we see him on the weekends, but she's in this group chat with like her mom and her, you know, two or three sisters. Oh my gosh. That thing goes off 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It's just, <laughs> she broke her Apple watch. And I was like, that was a prayer answered from God. <laughs> Finally, those messages stop coming through on her on her watch while we're sitting there with each other. But uh, yeah, man, the girls, they at least in my life, they talk a lot more like even I think I'm on the same ratio with you where like I talk to my dad like once a month. But yeah, but it's, it's fun. Um, it's and, and, you know, my daughter happened, you know, in the midst of like the acquisition. So that was yeah, it was it was in, you know, incredibly hard. That's tough. For me, um, more so for my 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 wife, obviously, right? Because um, I had to like just work a lot during that time, so that was tough. But hey, you know, it's definitely rewarding. I want to say, um, never understood that as a as a before before I was a parent, I guess, right? When when people say, hey, yeah, it's it's rewarding to have a kid, and I'm just looking at my friend's kid at that point in time, I'm like, oh man, like this this person is like just <laughs> crying all the time. Like, how can this be rewarding at all? You know, but. <laughs> But yeah, I think it's, it's, it it's, it's a different challenge and, you know, not like, definitely not like uh, coding or technology is very different, um, but it's much needed. I think it's definitely grounded me a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yes. 
Yeah. And by the way, it gets, I wish somebody would have told me this too, because, you know, I was in your position two years ago or so mm -hmm. it, it gets easier. Like it only gets easier really? as they're able to talk more. <laughs> oh my gosh, dude, you wait like what, two years before you get to hear your kids say that they love you, you know, like, I love you, daddy. Like that is the greatest feeling in the world. So it like what you're in right now, those first like nine months, oh my gosh, my wife and I's relationship was so tested. It was so difficult. You're running on like no sleep. You're having, you have this instinct and urge to go work and provide because you just have this new little, you know, person in your life. So you want to go out there and like, but she needs you at home because, you know, usually back in the day when we were raising kids, it was like the village would raise the kids, right? Like the woman would be all around with each other. And, but now everyone's so isolated in their own homes. It's so, it's so much harder now. Um, but yeah, it's, it's super, super, super difficult, but it only, in, in my experience, uh, it only got easier. And especially as the kid can start to learn to talk and uh, you can have a conversation with them versus them being like this gelatinous blob you're kind of holding and looking at. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. It's 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 amazing. It gets a lot better. Yeah. It's it sort of worked out too during COVID, right? Because you know you can't you can't really go out, um, so you had to spend a lot of um, time with your kid, which is which is a great thing, right? I I think it would if it wasn't you know because of COVID, I probably wouldn't have been able to spend so much time indoors, right, with my kids. So that was. That was sort of a blessing of disguise in a way. Not the best way, definitely, but it you know it sort of just happened that way. How did how did COVID um, affect you know you and your your company? Actually, I'm curious. Yeah, so we were um, building leadership development training, but the sales cycles were really long. They were like eight months long. Um, it was good money. It was recurring money. It's a cool product, but uh, that dried up the sales pipeline because everyone put their budgets on hold. Right, we all did. And so we ended up, we were getting a lot of people asking us to do advertising on the podcast and we had been turning them down, but then we started saying, okay, because we needed the money. Right. And, uh, we were selective about like who we picked and everything, but we, uh, built a product around it where we like, we don't put mid roll ads or anything. Uh, people pay for like production time and like when they'll get booked. Cause we book up like six months in advance. So, um, we generated that and man, it took off. We ended up doubling revenue. Uh, so we had to, you know, we lost half of our team members, but then we ended up hiring other people back. So we had like a net positive growth oh, and doubled our revenue over COVID. Yeah. Are most of your clients like tech companies usually or? Yeah. I see. Mm -hmm. Well, that made, made a lot of sense, right? I think, you know, tech companies really grew quite a bit, right? A lot of it that during this, this, this pandemic. And you guys are, were always like remote too, right? And distributed as well. So that worked out well. So, well, no, not really. But we, there was about eight of us here in this office where I'm at now. Uh, since COVID, I'm the only person that comes in. It's like 10 minutes from my house. I just kept the lease and I still come in. Uh, but uh, yeah, we had, we ended up like having to let some people go um, that were associated with the other business model. And then uh, expanded the the podcast advertising business model, and we made a bunch of hires all over the United States. So we're like fully remote as of COVID. But I, my whole career before this was essentially remote. I mean, I was building remote teams. I I was never forced by any business decision, and I never like really built uh, 
to, to build teams like on-prem, it was always an option. So like if there was good talent locally that I met or that I knew, I would hire them and we'd, you know, work in the office together, but I've always had the majority of my teams be distributed. That's good. I think, yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> for me, actually, it's the complete opposite. I mean, my experience has always been on-prem um, and whatnot, right? If, even So Spin is by default sort of a distributed company just because we you know, we need to deploy in, you know, X amount of cities. I think we're around like hundred, you know, markets right now in the world. <laughs> um, so by, by default, I think we'll have like operations people in all those places, right? Um, and we would hire engineers, you know, depending on where the need is really, right? But I think the headquarters, just because we started in SF, right? There's a lot of um, inertia to hire here. And that's what happened for the longest time, really, until COVID hit and then, you know, we sort of have to just, everyone just had, were for, was forced into, you know, whole remote, um, distrib- completely remote and distributed culture, right? Um, so that has helped, I think, I think, I think, I think going forward. So Spin actually is now a remote first company that's, we decided on that like earlier this year, right? Just because we had like at least nine months of, of experience running a distributed company, right? And, and, you know, there are plus and minuses for sure, right? But I think, you know, remote, having a re- virtual first company is definitely a way to go in the future. Just, just get, you know, the best talent really, right? Um, and not be, be constrained by, by location, right? Especially for engineering, you know, all you need is a laptop, right? And a connection, internet connection, you could really just do whatever you need to, right? So that has been a learning experience. It's not easy. Um, we're still learning, I want to say, just because, you know, when, when you, when you start a company, you know, being in a location, right? You sort of have an idea or preconception of like how relationships are formed and what the culture was like before you used to, you know, just turn around and tap on someone's shoulder. You used to just go go to happy hour after, after work, you know, things like that, right? So I think changing from that mentality to like just a completely remote mentality, uh, you know, it's definitely challenging um, and we're getting better at it, but I still don't think we're completely there yet, right? It's tough. Like I, I still haven't, found any apps or any I've tried a bunch too, right? To to really maintain that sort of same culture that we had before. You know, we we started when the pandemic first started, we we, you know, we did happy hours, right, with the teams and whatnot, right? But after a while people start dropping off, right? At first it was like everyone would join. And then after after a while you get like two, three people joining and whatnot. And and then you try different things like cooking classes and whatnot. So I want to say, it's, you know, there's a lot of opportunity there because I, I do think that um, remote working is probably a way to go, at least at least more of a hybrid way, right, in the future. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what what comes out, you know, in the next few years. Tell me, tell me a little bit about this uh, super cool high-tech custom scooter you guys are building. Does it have, um, I'm going to take some, get, did you take like some of the, cold air thrusters from like Elon Musk concept and put it on there. Like, tell me about this. Um, yeah. So, so we're, you know, we've been working on our um, custom scooter for, you know, about two years now, actually. The reason why, you know, we started on this journey to build our own custom scooter is because, I mean, two years ago, 2018, you know, no one really knew what a sharing scooter is. All the scooter companies basically just bought, Right, consumer great scooters and put an IoT box on it with a GPS tracker, right? And just put it on the streets, right? These things are not gonna last on the street for for like months at a time, right? 
And if if they don't, and if these things just keep breaking, like obviously that doesn't work for a business model as well, right? So we we identified, you know, and being operators like spinners, right? Like we 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 identified, you know, a lot of things that we needed to change about a scooter. And back then, you know, these manufacturers, right? Um, Ninebot is the one that we work with, right? Just wasn't changing fast enough, right? Just because their business model is not sharing scooters, right? They sell consumer scooters, right? Um, so so we were we were learning a lot and we were, you know, realizing that we had to go back and forth with with these manufacturers when and to make these changes, but then they're not really set up, you know, to iterate that quickly, right? That's why like we we started off this you know on this journey to really creating, you know, a, a, a scooter, the best basically the best sharing scooter that we can make based of you know our own experience and, and what we know right so yeah so so we started off this you know two years ago um it's basically fixing you know the, the main the main issues right like con- concentrating on rider safety to us operational you know efficiency right and repairability things like that right sustainability and also like the right quality as well what's special about it it's um so it's really built around safety right we have like you know, there's three braking systems on 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 the scooter. We have like brakes on the on the front front tire, brakes on the back tire, and then also a stomp brake in case you know, in case you really need that extra power as well. It looks really cool. It looks um, you know, it's 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 gonna be released very soon, right? So you'll you'll get to see it soon. Um, but it 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 has a very unique look, right? A very distinctive um, design. So yeah, it's 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 pretty cool. And you know, we we built this really just um with with safety in mind and what right what we think riders in mind right and and the whole thing about this platform that we built is to basically the idea of like needing to iterate really quickly because i feel like i don't think anyone still has the answer of what a perfect scooter um is right i think if if it wasn't with covid i think we would have sort of figured it out right but i think you know a lot of people locked down not still not enough people using scooters and whatnot i think once it opens right we'll learn a lot from you know users of what is the best scooter and the whole idea of this custom you know platform that we built is so that we could really just iterate quickly and come up with the best hardware for users yeah that's exciting when's it going to come out it's going to come out in in sometime in june or july so pretty soon nice yeah my team said that I'm not that we're not allowed to say the name of it like we don't <laughs> know what it is but i went in my in my prep meeting i was like all right, cancel all my meetings for the next week. I want to just guess potential names for the scooter, see if I could guess it. And I was like, no, no, that's not a, that's not a good use of my time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really excited uh, to hear like when it comes out, like have your PR team shoot me a message because okay. I want to see it. I want to know what the name is. I'm excited about this happening. So yeah, it's it's it's. Re- I mean, not not to toot my own, you know, hoot, um, but. I, I really do think that it's it's the best scooter I've ever ridden so far. It levitates, doesn't it? <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> don't get me excited. There we go. <laughs> um, but yeah, boy, it's hardware tough. Um, you know, my, my background is, is software predominantly, right? So this is sort of the first time I'm really doing um, hardware from, from scratch. And, and uh, yes, just stick with software is all I have to say. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's exciting. You're like the Elon Musk of scooters because he started with software. Oh, right? man. And then he moved into hardware. <laughs> He's he talks openly about how difficult hardware is. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 really difficult. Um, 
but yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of pain, but it's, it's definitely rewarding once you see the output of it. And it's hard to describe too. I don't know. You know, how do you really describe what's a better scooter, right? It's, it's hard to describe without riding it. And I still can't really figure out a way to really describe why it's the best scooter I've ever ridden. It's just that when you jump on it, it just feels super safe. It feels very responsive. It's just, yeah, it's just, I don't know. It just feels great. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Well, send me that information when it comes out and, uh, I'll talk about it on the show and like share it around and stuff because I think it's really cool what you guys are doing. Awesome. Yeah. Would yeah, appreciate it. Yep. Uh, dude, Benny, man, we did it. We made a podcast. How do you feel? Pretty good. Thank you so much for listening. And if you found this episode useful, please share it with a friend or a colleague who you think would get value from it. And if you have topics that you'd like to hear discussed on the podcast, either add me on LinkedIn or send me an email, joel at moderncto.io. Every time I get an email or LinkedIn message, it absolutely makes my day and inspires me to keep going.